late. It's 7.02 on the West Coast, 10.02 on the East Coast, 3.02 in London, 12 midnight and two minutes in New South Wales, and in Malaysia, I don't know what the hell time it is. Oh, it's like 1974. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. What a nightmare. Oh, man. I'm telling you, if there was ever a show that I am completely unprepared for, it's this one. <laughs> Just, oh, man. I've been running around like a chicken with my head cut off, trying to get everything organized, and nothing, and when I say nothing, I mean Nothing was working. <laughs> um, okay, I'm on YouTube. I may or may not be on Twitch. I have no idea. Uh, and I'm on Facebook Live. I may not stay there, but I'm there. So there you go. Uh, that's looks like the wrap of where we are and what we've done. Oh, my other camera is now working. It wasn't before. So hooray for that. At least we got a uh, we got a camera too. Oh. Luna Amethyst, welcome to the stream and the podcast. Yes, um, I got so much to update you guys on and I want to make sure that we touch on everything we were supposed to. Um, we not only live stream three nights a week, Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, but we also are a podcast. And welcome and hello uh, to all of our podcast listeners. This show, audio only, goes up on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Stitcher, about anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can listen to us. Just search I'm Not Wearing Pants on your favorite podcast supplier or app, and you'll find us. You'll see this, uh, this logo here. And all after tonight, all 72 shows are up there, audio only. So in some cases, because this is a live video stream, some of the stuff we talk about may or may not make sense to you. You can just visualize. For example, I was reviewing some of the podcasts today, and the probably the funniest one that, that we've done, at least to me, was the Japanese fart battles. And you had to see the drawings from the samurai days of the Japanese fart battles. But just listening to me describe it, I think it kind of works, but there are some things that you definitely, if you're listening to the podcast now, you'll want to go ahead and listen by all means, and please subscribe wherever you're listening. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. It's very important to me and to the channel. Thank you for that if you have, <clears throat> and if you haven't, please do. But um, if you want, you can always check out our live uh, rebroadcast video stream. You get all the visuals, you get to see my ugly face and everything that goes on around here um, <laughs> on rumble.com. It's absolutely free. Rumble.com is a cool uh, website. It 
kind of competition to YouTube. It's got all kinds of videos. There's a lot of political stuff there. But beyond that, there's sports, technology, science, uh, podcasts, and this show. So sign up for a free account and then please subscribe to I'm Not Wearing Pants on Rumble.com. Okay, that's almost all the plugging I'm going to do for tonight, except to say that if you'd like to help support the show, you can do that one of two ways. You can click there or on the link in the description, or you can go to Patreon. There's a Patreon page for me, Jay Sheldon. Just search Jay Sheldon on Patreon, and uh, you can help to support me there. So thank you for that. Some special offers, too, by the way, to those who, uh, <clears throat> those who join me on Patreon. Uh, Luna Amethyst, got to catch up on some chat here. Uh, thanks for liking my IG post. You're entirely welcome. Thank you for posting it. Very cool stuff. Uh, hello, listeners, but they can't see me. Well, you know, um, my aunt, your aunt just followed you on Tumblr. Well, that's cool, I, I think. I I'm not a Tumblr person, so I, I couldn't tell you. Um, <laughs> All right, so we've got a lot to talk about tonight, and we are going to finish up, uh, not finish, but we're going to continue on with our book, The Little Prince. We've started that, uh, I think, last stream or a couple streams ago, and uh, the chapters are relatively short, so we get through one or two, maybe three of them uh, uh, stream, and we will have that, as we always do, coming up at the end of tonight, so thanks for that. We've got lots of other things to talk about tonight. And um, I have one of the best dad jokes I have heard in a very long time. A dear friend of mine from back in my hometown, Cornwall, Connecticut, uh, Lori uh, posted it, and I had to steal it because it is a classic. So uber cool dad joke coming up. You're going to love it if you like dad jokes. Um, yeah, so uh, among the things we put in our title tonight and we wanted to talk about was an intercourse competition. Ooh, yeah. Where do I sign up for that, huh? Apparently, okay, there's this. <laughs> Somebody posted this. In fact, this guy who posted it says, can I play twice? It's the first intercourse competition. You see there, it's a, a wait, a what? Yes, very nice. Mechanical engineering, civil engineering, you can sign up here uh, if you'd like. It's, it's, if you see the visual, you can tell. It isn't an intercourse competition. It's an inter-course competition. But, you know, those of us with filthy minds will see what we see <laughs> why not oh man how would you would you do that in in heats <laughs> yeah probably oh my all right got a picture for you you're gonna love this oh man we're gonna we're gonna put the good stuff kind of more towards the beginning tonight and then we'll end up with a couple of complaints uh, but look at this beautiful photograph absolutely phenomenal this is a rhododendron bush tree this is a 100 year old rhododendron bush and that is the lady who planted it can you imagine 
Look at that. This woman, obviously well over a hundred years old, planted this rhododendron tree. She is still alive, as is massively, so is the rhododendron. That is amazing. Incredible, huh? I saw that on uh, a friend's... Uh, actually, it's Dr. Clayton Forrester, so that's rather cool. That's on, uh, on Upworthy. Check that out. Nice. Very nice. Um, okay, and uh, I got another one for you, which is something I cannot find. I suddenly realized I am a huge fan of ranch dressing. Yeah, I know, but we talk about nearly everything and anything on this show, including ranch dressing. Ranch dressing, I have not seen it in the nearly 20 years I've been in Malaysia. It's not popular here, which I'm not sure why. Somebody needs to start selling ranch dressing because I promise you, First of all, I will be a customer because it's my favorite salad dressing of all, and I use it on everything. It's great for dipping potato chips, anything. It's great on sandwiches. If you don't know what ranch dressing is, you don't know what you're missing. Ranch is, oh man. In fact, I, that's what reminded me of it was, was this thing. Ranch dressing was developed in the 1950s by a plumber named Steve Henson. In 1954, Henson and his wife opened a dude ranch in Santa Barbara County, California. They served their creation to customers, and when they loved it, they started selling it in packages. Ranch, since then, has become America's best-selling salad dressing since 1992, and 40% of Americans, including this boy, say that it is their favorite salad dressing. How do I describe ranch dressing to you if you don't know it? Has somebody got an idea? Put it in the chat. It's mm, creamy, kind of sour cream, but not very sour, with a lot of onion in it, maybe chives and garlic, perhaps. I should look up a recipe and see what goes in ranch dressing. You know what? I'm going to do that right now. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about ranch dressing, but what the hell? Oh, okay. Ah, buttermilk. There you go. And and don't don't turn your stomach at buttermilk. In certain ways, buttermilk is actually quite good. Salt, garlic, onion, mustard, herbs, spices, mix in a sauce based on mayonnaise or some other oil emulsion. Sour cream and yogurt are sometimes used in addition to or as a substitute for the buttermilk and the mayonnaise. Yeah, I've had it with sour cream before, which is really nice. So that is what goes into ranch dressing. There you go. Uh, but you can usually just find it in a bottle. There's one that came out that was called California Ranch Dressing, and it was good. You know what? I should try like Village Grocer. Uh, they have a section of some, imp it's an expensive grocery store, but the great place. They have a lot of cool stuff and things you can't find at, you know, Tesco, Aeon, Giant. Those are the, the big common grocery stores here. We're going to talk about Aeon coming up at the end of this segment. Trust me, you're not going to like it. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, what else are we going to celebrate? I know what we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate this guy. Right here. This 
This is Daisuke Inoue. He is the man who invented karaoke. Yes. One of my favorite pastimes, karaoke, and this is the guy who invented it. He didn't patent the machine. This is similar to the guy, uh, remember we did the thing about Volvo where they created the three-point seat belts? And they gave the technology when they realized how many lives it could save. This guy realized he wanted to teach the world to sing. So when he created this karaoke machine, he did not patent it. And he earned nothing from the billion-dollar industry his invention has spawned. However, Mr. Inoue says he has no regrets. And this is a photo of him and the very first karaoke machine he ever made. If I'm not mistaken, look in the bottom. Let me get my mouse back. Look down here. That looks like an eight-track tape, doesn't it? It looks like an eight-track. <laughs> there are some people in the audience going, what's an eight-track? But <laughs> it, if you know what an eight-track, it does. This is eight juke, or eight juke. This was the very uh, first original karaoke machine. Darren, hey, welcome to the show. <laughs> Texas chicken has ranch sauce. Looks and tastes this. Really? I eat Texas chicken all the time. I don't remember seeing it there. I'll have to ask next time. Hmm. Because they always wind up giving you like barbecue or blech, whatever crap because they think, oh, that's what Malaysians like. Um, hello, the guaylo, the matzale. Anyway, I'll ask next time I met uh, Texas chicken. By the way, if you're in the U.S., uh, when I say Texas chicken, you know it as church's chicken. Here, when we imported it, because we're all psychotic and, you know, we can't do anything that even implies, like, say, hot dogs, uh, you know, we had to change the name. So we call it Texas chicken here, not God forbid, church's chicken. <coughs> weirdos. Although, you know what? This is a segue. I like the weirdos. And I found this from you, Darren. Thank you very much for posting this. This is a, they went psycho with church sauce. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Darren, who's in our chat watching the show right now, and I saved a thing from Darren's post to share with you all. There he is. I love this, Darren. Thank you. Let me just share it to uh, to everybody out there. I'll read it for those of you on the podcast who, are, who, who don't have any visuals. Go to rumble.com. I'm not wearing pants. It's free. I want the weirdos, the clumsy, the fumbling, awkward ones who call themselves a big mess. That's where it's at. Give me the ones whose eyes are colored with shades of madness. Throw me in a room with the loners, the ones who never found their place. Sit me down at the table with the dreamers, the ones who feel with their eyes and see with their hearts. Surround me with the extraordinary souls who inhale passion through their fingertips and exhale creativity from masterpieces in their own bones. I want to dance with the ones who break their own hearts because they only know how to love too hard or not at all. 
build a path with the pieces of the broken ones. I will follow the trail and carry each piece back to its owner, showing them the stained glass pieces of their beautiful, broken magnificence. Wow. Wow. Yes. Nice. Thank you, Darren, for sharing that. That is by Stephanie Bennett Henry. I'm saving this. I'm printing this out and I'm plastering it up there on the wall because that's what it's all about. That's cool. I love that. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. All right. Okay. You ready for the dad joke? I know. You're going to kill me. I, you know what? I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to edit this a little bit so you can't read ahead because you got to wait. The ending is too good. A dear friend of mine, she's actually been in the chat before and watched the show, uh, Penny Martorell from uh, my hometown, Cornwall, Connecticut. She posted this. If I'm not mistaken, Penny works as either a librarian or has something to do with the, li the library. So this was from Penny, as only Penny could do. Uh, a chicken, stand by, dad joke warning, okay? You've been warned, it's a dad joke. A chicken walks into a library and up to the desk. Book, says the chicken. So the librarian gives him a book. The chicken leaves with the book, comes back five minutes later and says, book. So the librarian gives him another book. This goes on about eight more times until finally... The librarian leaves the library and goes outside on break in the back where there's a pond. Now the chicken is standing on the edge of the pond, tossing the books to a frog on a lily pad. The chicken says, book, book. And the frog says, read it, read it. So he goes and gets another book, read it, book, read it, book. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is funny. Um, okay, you know what? I lost. I lost something here. Where is my... Where is my... All right, I'm never going to find it again. You're going to have to bear with me. Um, <laughs> book, read it, uh, hang on, because I need to get to this post, ah, here it is, okay, there we go, one last, uh, one last one, well, two maybe, um, not that one, this one, hey, Walmart, don't get pissed at me if I forget to scan something, you literally gave me no training, before making me a cashier. Mm, yeah. Now, we don't have Walmarts here in Malaysia, thankfully. But um, we are starting to get these stupid self-checkout lanes 
Walmart, however, has a ton of them. And a lot of these mega places who make mega bucks are replacing cashiers, people who have real lives and real families to support and who need real income with automated checkout scans, places you they don't have to employ people. They just trust you to do scan everything and pay for it with your credit card and off you go. And I saw this and it really, this is cool. They Walmart, or in this case, now they've just started this crap at Aeon, Aeon Big here in Malaysia. I shop at Aeon quite often, but I absolutely 110% refuse to use the self-checkout lane, and so should you. Because every time you go through and self-checkout, yeah, I don't want to wait in line. I have to move faster. Oh, my life is so important that I have to go immediately and I can't take three minutes to wait in line. You can take three minutes. Is that three minutes worth that person behind the counter's job? You know what's going to happen eventually? They're going to replace all the cashiers. All these people are going to be likely out of work, replaced by self-checkout lanes, which is bullcrap. Honestly, do not use the self-checkout lane. You're not in that much of a hurry. And you need to go where there is a live person making a paycheck who needs that paycheck to support their family, not through some self-service lane because, you know, you need to save two minutes off your busy day. Don't use the self-service lanes. Go to a cashier, keep them employed, keep them busy and these grocery stores who are starting to put these self-service lanes in stop doing it i'm serious it is absolutely ridiculous it needs to stop okay and connected not another nice segue <laughs> apparently during this house arrest we're all currently under again which we call here the MCO, uh, Movement Control Odor. I think it's got some new letter in front of it or whatever. Um, electrical stores apparently are closed. Oh, it's FMCO, which I could give another meaning to the F, but we'll leave it at that. Electrical stores are closed. So in other words, if we have to replace certain electrical appliances for us do-it-yourselfers who can repair a refrigerator, perhaps, or a washing machine, you can't because they're not considered essential services, okay? That which, which makes no sense whatsoever at all. Uh, and in fact, this relates to what happened to me the other night. I was at Aeon shopping for some groceries and sure enough some of the aisles are blocked because the things in that aisle are considered non-essential when they put this new fmco into place they put a whole list of stuff out i don't know whether they said probably they put down what was essential because the list of what isn't would be too big so i'm walking to the store and i need aluminum foil because I'm out of aluminum foil. And a lot of people, yeah, beer. What the, mm. um, a lot of people 
use aluminum foil to cook with, as do I, which is why I'm out of it. The whole baking supply aisle in Aeon has this big, it looks like police line tape over the front and back end of it. And you can't go buy baking goods. Baking goods. You know, to bake stuff that you eat, you know, like food. Oh, no, that's not essential. Aluminum foil you cannot buy or anything in the baking goods. Not baked goods. The baking goods for you people who do baking at home. Which would kind of make sense. But no, don't ask. I don't know why. I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> Darren says, how is alcohol not non-essential or not essential? <laughs> yes. Fortunately, I have a big enough supply already at home. I don't have to stock up, so I'm okay. I've got coffee and the alcohol shelf is full, so... Come on over if you want. I've got sake. I've got some port wine. I've got some regular wine. Most importantly, I've got coffee. So come on over and we'll brew up a pot. Although, fair warning, you can't do crack or ice. <laughs> well, I don't do either of those. I do crack ice, but not crack or ice. <laughs> oh, man. Why am I so dark? If I lighten this up, it's going to go crazy, right? A little bit. Okay. We'll lighten it up just a little bit because I look really dark on YouTube. Not that anybody watches on YouTube, but if you do on YouTube, oh, you can't do crack or ice without aluminum foil. Yes, that's true. <laughs> <coughs> that's very true. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't know that, but I've been told. So, <laughs> oh man, oh, I'm going to get in trouble, but I don't care. All right. Um, yeah. Aluminum foil, baked goods. There'll be no baking. It's not essential. You just tapao anything. Bunkus, your food. Forget cooking at home. Aluminum foil. These morons, I swear. All right, I'm going to leave it at that, or other, you know, otherwise I am going to get myself in trouble because we don't have free speech here, and expats really don't have free speech here. So I will shut up before I learn a weird lesson that I don't want to learn. Uh, let's see, we're going to uh, move on to... Uh, you know what? I was going to try and get Miko in here because, as you know, Miko merch is the latest rage all across the planet. I have ordered myself some Miko merch and it will be coming very soon. So I will be able to show you what it is you can order with uh, Miko merch. And somewhere, let's see where it is. Uh, okay, uh, streamlabs.com slash jsheldonnopants slash merch or just go to twitch.tv. Twitch.tv, search for I'm Not Wearing Pants. And in the About section, you will find merch. My merch. Or Miko merch. Because all my merchandise now there features 
the one and only Miko, who has not been on the show. She's been very sick for the last two, three, four days. However, she seems now to be fully recovered. She ate me out of house and home tonight. I made her regular dinner. She ate the whole bowl and then was looking at me like, please, sir, could I have some more? And I'm like, what? And she's like, please, sir, can I have... You remember that from Oliver, the musical? Anyway, so I gave her another uh, half a, a bowl of uh, wet food, and she wolfed that down. Miko! Miko, come here, baby! I don't know if she's going to make it in here or not, because she, she did have a little bit of an attitude. But she's doing great. She's feeling well. She's, uh, like I said, she's eating like actually more than crazy, more than usual. So, but I don't think she's... Miko, are you out there? Miko, baby. Miko. Come here, girl. Nah. She's having a tood. That's okay. I thought I, I thought I could get her in here, but I guess not. <laughs> All right. Maybe on the next stream, I'll get her up in the front of the show and have her stand by. All right, uh, we're going to move on to The Little Prince, shall we? Yeah, let's, uh, let's move back into our, uh, into our book. And uh, if in the meantime, Miko happens to decide she wants to grace us with her presence, then uh, we'll take a little break and I'll, uh, I'll have her jump up here and say hi. Okay, let's go back to The Little Prince. It is the new book we started a stream or two ago. And uh, we're, uh, yeah, just last time we were doing uh, uh, The Little Prince. So this is the second uh, portion of the read. Uh, we start at chapter three in The Little Prince. The narrator learns more about from where The Little Prince came. It took me a long time to learn where he came from. The little prince, who asked me so many questions, had never seemed to hear the ones I asked him. It was from words dropped by chance that, little by little, everything was revealed to me. The first time he saw my airplane, for instance. I shall not draw my airplane. Uh, that would be too complicated for me. He asked me, what is that object? Well, that's not an object. It flies. It is an airplane. It is my airplane. And I was proud to have him learn that I could fly. He cried out then, What? You dropped from the sky? Oh, yes, I answered modestly. Oh, that is funny. And the little prince broke into a lovely peal of laughter, which irritated me very much. I like my misfortunes to be taken seriously. And then he added, So you, too, come from the sky? Which is your planet? At that moment, I caught a gleam of light in the impenetrable mystery of his presence, and I demanded abruptly, Do you come from another planet? But he did not reply. He tossed his head gently without taking his eyes off my plane. It is true that uh, it is true that on that you can't have come from very far away. And he sank into a reverie, which lasted a long time. Then, taking my sheep out of his pocket, he buried himself in the contemplation of his treasures. 
You can imagine how my curiosity was aroused by his half-confidence about the other planets. I made a great effort, therefore, to find out more on this subject. My little man, where do you come from? What is this where I live of which you speak? Where do you want to take your sheep? After a reflective silence, he answered, The thing that is so good about the box you've given me is that at night he can use it as his house. That is so, and if you are good, I'll give you a string, too, so that you can tie him during the day, and a post to tie him to. Uh, but the little prince seemed shocked by this offer. Tie him? What a queer idea. But if you don't tie him, I said, he'll wander off somewhere and get lost. My friend broke into another peal of laughter. But where do you think he would go? Anywhere, straight ahead of him. And then the little prince said earnestly, that doesn't matter. Where I live, everything is so small. And with perhaps a hint of sadness, he added, Straight ahead of him, nobody can go very far. Chapter 4 The narrator speculates as to which asteroid from which the little prince came. I had thus learned a second fact of great importance— that was that the planet the little prince came from was scarcely any larger than a house. But that really didn't surprise me much. I knew very well that in addition to the great planets such as Earth, Jupiter, Mars, Venus, to which we've given names, there are also hundreds of others, some of which are so small that one has a hard time seeing them through the telescope. When an astronomer discovers one of these, he doesn't give it a name, but only a number. He might call it, for example, Asteroid 325. I have serious reason to believe that the planet from which the little prince came is the asteroid known as B612. The asteroid, has only once been seen through the telescope. This was by a Turkish astronomer in 1909. On making his discovery, the astronomer had presented it to the International Astronomical Congress in a great demonstration. But he was in Turkish costume, so nobody would believe what he said. Grown-ups are like that. Fortunately, however, for the reputation of asteroid B612, a Turkish dictator made a law that his subjects, under pain of death, should change to European costume. So, in 1920, the astronomer gave his demonstration all over again, dressed with impressive style and elegance, and this time everybody accepted his report. If I have told you these details about the asteroid and made a note of its number for you, it is on account of the grown-ups and their ways. When you tell them that you have made a new friend, they never ask you any questions about essential matters. They never say to you, what does this voice sound like? 
What games does he love best? Does he collect butterflies? Instead, they demand, how old is he? How many brothers has he? How much does he weigh? How much money does his father make? Only from these figures do they think they have learned anything about him. If you were to say to the grown-ups, I saw a beautiful house made of rosy brick with geraniums in the windows and doves on the roof, they would not be able to get any idea of the house at all. You would have to say to them, I saw a house that cost $20,000. Then they would exclaim, Oh, what a pretty house that is. Just so, you might say to them, The proof that the little prince existed is that he was charming, that he laughed, and that he was looking for a sheep. If anybody wants a sheep, that is a proof that he exists. And what good would it do to tell them that? They would shrug their shoulders and treat you like a child. But if you said to them, the planet he came from is asteroid B612, then they would be convinced and leave you in peace from their questions. They're like that. One must not hold it against them. Children should always show great forbearance toward grown-up people. But certainly, for us who understand life, figures are a matter of indifference. I should have liked to begin this story in the fashion of the fairy tales. I should have liked to say, once upon a time, there was a little prince who lived on a planet that was scarcely any bigger than himself, and who had need of a sheep. To those who understand life, that would give a much greater air of truth to my story. For I do not want anyone to read my book carelessly. I've suffered too much grief in setting down these memories. Six years have already passed since my friend went away from me. With his sheep. If I try to describe him here, it is to make sure that I shall not forget him. To forget a friend is sad. Not everyone has a friend. And if I forget him, I may become like the grown-ups who are no longer interested in anything but figures. It is for that purpose, again, that I have bought a box of paints and some pencils. It is hard to take up drawing again at my age, when I have never made any pictures except those of the boa constrictor from the outside and the boa constrictor from the inside since I was six. I shall certainly try to make my portraits as true to life as possible, but I'm not at all sure of success. One drawing goes along all right, and another has no resemblance to its subject. I make some errors, too, in the little prince's height. In one place he's too tall, and in another too short. And I feel some doubts about the color of his costume. So I fumble along as best I can, now good, now bad, and I hope generally fair to Midland. In certain more important details, I shall make mistakes also. But that is something that will not be my fault. 
My friend never explained anything to me. He thought, perhaps, that I was like himself. But I, alas, do not know how to see sheep through the walls of boxes. Perhaps I am a little like the grown-ups. I have had to grow old. Let's do chapter 5. We are warned as to the dangers of the Baobabs. As each day passed, I would learn in our talk something about the little prince's planet, his departure from it, his journey. The information would come very slowly, as it might chance to fall from his thoughts. It was in this way that I heard on the third day about the catastrophe of the Baobabs. This time, once more, I had the sheep to thank for it. For the little prince asked me abruptly, as if seized by a grave doubt, It is true, isn't it, that sheep eat little bushes? Uh, yes, that's true. Ah, I'm glad. I didn't understand why it was so important that sheep should eat little bushes, but the prince added, Then it follows that they also eat baobabs. I pointed out to the little prince that baobabs were not bushes, but, on the contrary, trees, as big as castles, and that even if he took a whole herd of elephants away with him, the herd would not eat up one single baobab. The idea of the herd of elephants made the little prince laugh. We would have to put them on one top of another, he said. But he made a wise comment. Before they grew so big, the baobabs start out as being little. Well, that is strictly correct, I said, but why do you want the sheep to eat the little baobabs? He answered me at once, oh, come, come, as if he were speaking of something that was self-evident, and I was obliged to make a great mental effort to solve this problem without any assistance. Indeed, as I learned, there were on the planet where the little prince lived, as on all planets, good plants and bad plants. In consequence, there were good seeds from good plants and bad seeds from bad plants. But seeds are invisible. They sleep deep in the heart of the earth's darkness until someone along them is seized with the desire to awaken. Then this little seed will stretch itself and begin timidly at first to push a charming little sprig inoffensively upward towards the sun. If it is only a sprout of radish or the sprig of a rose bush, one would let it grow wherever it might wish. But when it is a bad plant, one must destroy it as soon as possible the very first instant that one recognizes it. Now, there would be some terrible seeds on the planet that was the home of the little prince, and these were the seeds of the Baobab. The soil of that planet was infested with them. A Baobab is something you will never, never be able to get rid of if you attend to it too late. It spreads over the entire planet. It pours clear through it with its roots. And if the planet is too small and the baobabs are too many, they'll split it into pieces. 
It's a question of discipline, the little prince said to me later on. When you've finished your own toilet in the morning, then it's time to attend to the toilet of your planet. Just so with the greatest care. You must see to it that you pull up regularly all the baobabs at the very first moment when they can be distinguished from the rose bushes, which they resemble so closely in their earliest youth. It is very tedious work, the little prince added, but very easy. And one day he said to me, you ought to make a beautiful drawing so that the children where you live can see exactly how all this is. That would be very useful to them if they were to travel some day. Sometimes, he added, there's no harm in putting off a piece of work until another day. But when it comes is a matter to a matter of baobabs, well, that always means a catastrophe. I knew a planet that was inhabited by a lazy man. He neglected three little bushes. So, as the little prince described it to me, I've made a drawing of that planet. I do not much like to take the tone of a moralist, but the danger of the baobabs is so little understood, and such considerable risk would be run by anyone who might get lost on an asteroid, that for once I'm breaking through my reserve. Children, I say plainly, watch out for the baobabs. My friends, like myself, have been skirting this danger for a long time without ever knowing it. And so it is for them that I've worked so hard over this drawing. The lesson which I pass on by this means is worth all the trouble it's cost me. Perhaps you will ask me, why are there no other drawings in this book as magnificent and impressive as the drawing of the Baobabs? The reply is simple. I have tried. But with the others, I have not been successful. When I made the drawing of the Baobabs, I was carried beyond myself by the inspired force of urgent necessity. And we'll stop it there. At chapter six, the little prince and the narrator talk about sunsets. That'll be coming up in our next stream. Very cool. Wow, the little prince. It's an enjoyable read. It's a lot of fun. It's a little weird, but quite fun. Um, we'll start up again at chapter six in our next stream on Saturday night. Please, if you can, follow us on rumble.com slash I'm not wearing pants. Subscribe to the channel. Sign up for a free account. You'll find us, of course, as a podcast on all your favorite podcast outlets, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you may listen. Please uh, look us up. Give us a subscribe and a like. And, of course, we are live three days a week from Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday on Facebook, YouTube, and twitch.tv check out on twitch.tv our merchandise under the about section of my page you'll find all kinds of cool miko merchandise maybe by saturday my order will come in and i'll be able to show you some of the stuff live that i've ordered from the miko merchandise so check that out we'll have it for you coming up <clears throat> before too long all right guys thanks so much it's a wednesday night 
I hope you get through the rest of the work week, and I'll see you on Saturday night. In the meantime, I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Good night. Yo.